Squad 51, pet emergency care provided by a very interesting person. You do not want to miss this conversation. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the tough topics that we all deal with is emergency care, but not just the emergency care aspect, but actually getting the pet to the emergency facility and making all that happen. And this week, we have got a person who is doing something very special in Cleveland, Ohio. But before we get into that, as always, I am your co-host, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And I am beyond excited for today's guest. When I found out what she was doing, I scrambled and said, you have got to come on this podcast. I have to know more about who you are, how you got here, and how do we learn all about what you're doing. And so today's guest is Miss Yolanda Medina, and she is actually running Squad 51 out of Cleveland, Ohio. She's a Cleveland native and a parent of a uh, stubborn Yorkie named Bruiser, who I'm hoping we get to meet at some point during this episode. (laughs) Miss Yolanda and Bruiser, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. Oh, we're so excited. So before we get started, what, what is it you do? What is Squad 51? So Squad 51 is a veterinary paramedic service. And what we do is exactly what any type of human paramedic service would do. Um, You have a situation at your house or at an accident scene where your pet is injured or sick, or you need to get to a vet uh, at any given time. You can call us 24 hours a day. We come out, we send texts out um, if necessary, uh, triage your pet get them in a van, in an ambulance, and get them to a hospital. Okay, so the first question I have is around the legalities of this. Like who, what is a pet paramedic? Right, so that's sort of a term that we coined because we couldn't really come up with a way to describe it because this is not a cohesive industry, right? There's only probably about 15 or so operations across the country. And so a lot of states don't really know what to do with it. But here in Ohio, what we have to do is follow the rules set forth by the Ohio Veterinary Medical Association. So basically, our techs uh, that we have under our employ are only allowed to do whatever it is that they would normally be allowed to do on their own in a veterinary hospital. And anything else, they would absolutely have to have a direction from a, a DVM, which we happen to have a medical director for those times where we need to get guidance. That's pretty incredible. And I have to say, as a veterinary technician, I am so excited to hear that they are, it sounds like part of the backbone of your operation. And I think the veterinary technicians out there will be excited to hear this. This sounds like a very empowering role for them, of course, working within the Practice Act, but being able to feel like they are on the forefront of getting these animals taken care of and in motion. Uh, congratulations on that. And your techs must love their jobs. Yeah. So, um, we have we employ four techs right now on rotation and actually they are really the backbone of what you know of our operation it's funny that people our mission our whole mission is to bring veterinarians and pets and pet owners together so for we try to say that we try to remove all of the barriers um that keeps a person from getting their animal to a vet whether or not it's an emergency, 
if they have a super large dog that they can't move and they just need help transport, doesn't we don't just do emergencies. So mostly what we do, believe it or not, is a lot of non-emergency situations. I've got a 200-pound mastiff and he's gone lame in the in his back legs and we can't get him in the car. So now what are we going to do? So we do things like that. No, I, I absolutely believe that. And I can honestly tell you some of the most frustrating things at the veterinary clinic when I worked emergency shifts was getting a phone call that says, I can't get there. What am I supposed to do? I can't pick him up. I don't have a car. I'm elderly and I can't drive. And it's it's this frustrating barrier that they're asking, can someone come help me? And and we can't. You know, this is kind of funny, Yolanda. Back in the uh, late 90s, uh, I started a service like this for our clinic. So I bought an old Ford Windstar van and we offered to pick up, transport your pet to and from our veterinary clinics uh, or transport food because a lot of people also couldn't carry like yeah. a 40 pound bag of food. Right. And so, so you know, we, we really kind of branched out. We did have to close that service down after about two years um, and primarily it was for staffing. We just did, you know, we were so busy at our clinics that it was really a burden to say, hey, you know, and Ron, God bless him. He was just this wonderful uh, part-time person we had. He was a, we call him semi-retirees, but you know, he drove the van and, you know, we called it express care, but uh, you know, it, it, it really does work. But here's what I want to ask you. How has the veterinary community responded to your offering these pet paramedic services in, in the Cleveland area? At first, they were very reluctant. Um, we uh, they were very skeptical. Who are these people? Why are they bringing us these animals? And where are they coming from? And I've never heard of this person before. So that first year or so that we were open, we really had to work to build the trust of the the veterinary community. We have a very large veterinary community here in Northeast Ohio. I think we have give or take the fifth or sixth largest number of veterinarians in the country. Wow. And so we have a huge veterinary community. So one, we had to establish that we weren't competition. And two, we had to prove sort of our legitimacy because it's very tight. As you know, veterinarians are stubborn. They don't are they are really <laughs> open to new things. True. And uh, so we once we sort of established our legitimacy and they figured out, wow, they're really helping our practice because we've got these patients who they can't come in for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter. Uh, they can't get there, but they can call Yolanda and Yolanda can do whatever she can to make sure they get to a vet. I mean, there have been times where it is simple as uh, me calling an Uber for someone who has a cat that needs a carrier. And I will pay $15 for an Uber for you to get to the vet if that's all it takes. I just firmly believe that transportation should not be a barrier. Yes. So um, that you should be able to get to a, a veterinarian. And so uh, so once we sort of established that, you know, we're really just trying to help these animals and help your practice and get everybody together that need ready to get sick pets to a veterinarian. That's all we really want to do. Then everyone sort of said, oh, okay, well now we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be able to use them. So what normally happens is people, when, when anything happens, doesn't matter what it is, they call the vet and they say, oh, you know, I have this issue and I can't do this thing. And then the veterinarian will have them call us. And then that's how we, and then, you know, we go out and help them in any way we can. So like I was saying before we do, 
so many more things than emergency rescue. To be honest, you, it's the smallest part of what we do. Um, actually, we help people whose pets have been deceased and they need to get it to a facility for final disposition. We do critical care transport. We transport all the way to Ohio State. We go to Penn Vet. We go to Pittsburgh um, for specialty cases. And we're the only option if you have a pet that's on oxygen and it yeah. needs to be transferred between, say, from your general practice to a specialty vet or an ER vet. And you can't get it there because you don't have oxygen. OK. And so that answers a lot of questions. And and I do, though, want to return to the pet paramedics aspect, because I think that's a huge opportunity that's largely overlooked. But Becky, I'd also like to get your perspective on this. What does that actually look like? And, and I guess for Shalanda. Like when you have the quote unquote pet paramedic situation, what does that typically look like? And then two, what types of procedures are they actually administering on the scene? So when we have like a call that we absolutely need a pet paramedic, um, say there's a car accident. I have two techs go out. Incidentally, my driver's all of the non-technicians are paramedics or first responders in some way. So they all have experience in uh, emergency medical situations. So they go out, they are able to triage. So they're able to control bleeding. They're able to stent or secure broken bones. They, you know, take all of the vitals and they're the liaison between, uh, between the pet parent and the, uh, veterinary hospital. So we get to in a situation where there's a huge emergency. So we're on the phone with the vet at the nearest ER hospital, wherever we're going. And then they're taking directions from that veterinarian. So they, here's the situation, the veterinarian saying, here's what you need to do as you get the dog to us in transport. So I, a couple things that I just love about that, and I hate to be stating the obvious, but I'm going to do it anyway. I love that the veterinary clinic knows that it's coming. They know the condition it's coming in. They know about how long it's going to take for them to get there. Right. And they're able to start giving those life-saving instructions. These technicians are not out there on their own making diagnoses and, and prescribing and administering treatment without a veterinarian. No, they have someone to lean to, and that and and that individual is giving them that guidance. But minutes counts in emergencies. I would be interested to know, I, and it's mostly because I, I just love data, but I'm sure you could really be tracking positive outcomes here on getting this life-saving care in so quickly that we're getting better outcomes when they get to the hospital. Exactly. And that's our, our whole thing is that we're trying to help you have a better outcome with your pet. And I can't really tell you the number of times people have called me or emailed me or sent me a note and said, you saved my animal's life. You saved my dog's life. You saved my cat's life. Because our biggest feedback is, I don't know what I was going to do. I have no idea what I was right. going to do. My animal would have died if you hadn't been able to help us. And so we don't really formally track the positive outcomes, but I can tell you just from all of the feedback that we get, and there have been you know, times that I know for sure that if we had not showed up, that pet would have died. Oh, or absolutely. Suffered long term consequences. Right. And and then the other thing that kind of stands out in my head is how alone you feel in an emergency. And if you are a pet parent, even if you can physically get them to the car, you are driving, you're trying to get them there safe. You're very scared. The idea that you can hand someone over 
your pet that is experienced and, and they can look at you in the eyes and say, I'm going to help your pet. I'm going to, we're going to get them there. We're going to get them this care. It, 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 they're not alone. Yeah. To be honest, most, I would probably guess 65% of our clients, whatever situation it is, especially if it's an emergency, they, it, they can get the animal to the, the vet. But people, they go into a panic. They really want someone to take over. They're afraid. They don't know what to do. A lot of them are scared of making the situation worse. Um, and uh, they just want someone to, they're so panicked and they're so stressed and they're so worried uh, that just us showing up uh, is just enough for, to make them calm down and work through the situation. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how many people uh, we help that if, you know, just being there, they get to take a breath. Dr. Ernie and I were so excited to talk to you. And we had so many questions, but I guess I want to pause here just for a second and back up. How did this come about? Like, I get all of the amazingness and I, and I love what you're doing, but like, how did you end up here? Well, I have a, he's 12 now, but I have a Yorkie who is, don't tell my husband, but is the great love of my life. <laughs> and we were, uh, my husband and I had gone down uh, to Baltimore and we were on our way back home and my pet sitter called and Bruiser at the time was probably three years old or so. She said, I think your dog is sick. There's something wrong. And so we were about four hours out from Cleveland and I was a wreck. I was so worried. I couldn't wait to get home. And when I got home, he was clearly sick. Uh, he was clearly in pain. As it turned out, he had hemorrhagic gastroenteritis. <gasps> and he was very sick. He was in a lot of pain. Oh. Now, he's a Yorkie, 13 pounds. It's not that I couldn't get him to a vet. I was so freaked out and so panicked and so scared and just blinded by tears. I jump in the car. After having driven eight hours, I jump in the car. It's, I don't know, it's like six in the morning or so. I'm racing to the ER vet. And the ER vet at the time was probably about 25, 30 minutes from me. We only have two uh, and one that's only open till one. And they're spaced pretty far apart. So I was doing easily 90 miles an hour, blinded by tears. I could have killed, in hindsight, I could have killed myself. I could have killed my dog. I could have killed someone else. And, uh, but, and it was so awful. And I remember having two thoughts. One was, if the police chase me, they're going to chase me all the way to the vet because I'm not stopping. The penalty for going 100 miles an hour for one mile or 10 miles is the same. I'm not stopping. The second thought I had is, this is stupid. There has to be a better way to do this. There's no, I can't be the only person who's needed help with their animal. I can't be it. And I didn't really know it know a lot of pet owners or anything, but that, it was so traumatic for me that it just stuck with me. I could not stop thinking about it. Um, just, every, I was always talking about it. And, uh, and so one day, a few years ago, my husband said, well, if no one's doing anything, why don't you try and do something about it? And I thought, you know, well, I'm an economist. You know, I, I'm a finance person. I have, I don't have, it's 
ounce of experience in any type of veterinary care, ambulatory care, transport, anything. But, you know, I said, well, you know, so my first step was let me see if anybody would be interested in. So I took a whole summer and went around to pet events and I just asked people, you know, have you ever had an emergency with your pet or something like this? Would it exist? Would you use it? And I got a, and I collected a lot of stories about, oh, you know, I wish I had had someone because this thing happened. And so I did a little research. I called the human ambulatory company and said, how do you work? And that's pretty much where we are. Wow, that is a great story. And I can tell you our listeners can 100% relate to this because the stories of speeding and breaking traffic laws and risking life and limb to get your pet to the vet in an emergency, it's all too true. Um, Maybe a little bit of a different question. I mean, like in addition to dogs and cats, I get that. But have you been called on like, to take in a pot-bellied pig or a big boa constrictor? Uh, so uh, dogs, cats, pot-bellied pigs, or rabbits, wolves. <laughs> um, we have a client who has three giant wolves uh, that he's needed to transport back and forth to the vet, but mostly dogs and cats. But every now and again, we'll get the... Um, something out of the ordinary, but it's mostly dogs and cats and mostly giant dogs, actually. <laughs> so, um, you know, one thing Dr. Ernie and I talk a lot about on this podcast is the need for veterinary insurance, veterinary wellness plans. As far as I know, this is not a covered service by insurances. Have you started working with them? Have you talked with them or is it something that's covered? Right. So we happen to be around the corner from Embrace Pet Insurance. And Embrace Pet Insurance um, has recently started covering emergency transport. The same with Nationwide. I was at the Midwest Veterinary Conference uh, a couple months ago, and I was talking with the Nationwide rep. And they say now that uh, as long as the condition for which uh, the animal is being treated uh, is covered, then they'll cover the emergency transport. I'm a huge proponent of um, pet insurance and I'm constantly screaming about it um, because as an economist, I can tell you people are very, very, very bad at assessing risk. We're horrible at it. It's the reason that we have no problem getting in a car at any given time, but people are afraid to fly. Right. Even though the chances of you dying in a fiery car crash are far greater than you ever falling out of the sky, but we're bad at assessing risk. So I'm constantly harping about it. Um, But, you know, so few people have it. um, And then they have an emergency and uh, they don't, and then they're, you know, and most people who I know there's care credit, but a lot of times people, most of the time people aren't eligible for care credit. And, uh, and if you have an emergency and you have to come up with $2,500 on the spot, most people can't do it. And that's true for no matter what income bracket you're in. You can make $20,000 a year. You can make $200,000 a year. People normally spend at or beyond their means. So most right. people cannot come up with $2,500, $3,000 on the spot. Wow. Well, and, and while we're talking about cost, um, I mean, and I love this information about it's being covered by certain uh, pet insurance companies. And we're big, big fans here on the podcast of pet insurance. But how much does this service cost? So if I call you and I say, hey, I need help transporting or my my pet may need your care. I mean, what does it cost typically? 
Yeah. So if you have, if you call us and say, oh, I've got an appointment two days from now and it's just my dog has gotten shot, you know, and I just need help getting back and forth to the doctor. It can be anywhere from probably $40 to $65 round trip, depending on um, where you are and, um, and what the distance is. But for a true emergency, if we have to get up at two, three in the morning and come out, it's 185. That still, I mean, that still seems very affordable when you think about. And the truth is, I almost never, a lot of times if people really need to get to the hospital and they don't really have the money and we don't bill or anything like that, but I'll, you know, reduce the cost because I, I don't broadcast that, you know, publicly, but, um, you know, we will work with certain people. There are people that you call that, you know, that just really need the help. And then there are the other kind, which we won't go into. But for those, I will help. I will say, well, you know, can you pay half and then, you know, pay me half later. And normally people are very good about it. And I'm pretty picky and choosy about who I do that with, because people will promise you the world in a crisis. And then when that crisis passed, uh, it's not a priority anymore. And the truth (laughs) is, you know how that is. And so Oh yeah, um, and we can't run our business without getting paid. Well, well, Yolanda, let me just ask you this. I know we've mentioned this on the podcast uh, a year or so ago, but you know, uh, with the announcement of services such as Uber Pet, like I get that transportation is a big part of this need. Okay, but but where I think you shine and separate yourself from anybody else is your ability to provide certain levels of care, emergency care, advice, and so forth. This is why I'm super excited about the inclusion of not only veterinarians within your group, but you've got RVTs. So I'd like for you to speak a little bit about how will you separate yourself when Uber Pet continues to grow? Um, How will you make Squad 51 something that, no, this is who you need to use, not an Uber Pet? Exactly, because you don't, it's funny that with Uber Pet, there are also people who use Uber as a regular ambulance because they don't want to pay an ambulatory cost. Oh but that's gosh. exactly it. You have veterinary medical professionals who are attending, monitoring, helping your pet um, as you go back and forth to a hospital. We don't do taxi service. We don't do grooming and kennel appointments. And if you want to use Uber for that, then you're fine. But if you have a, a medical need for your pet, and uh, uh, Squaw 51 is the one that you call. We have the personnel, we have the equipment, we have the experience, we have the know-how, and you know, and we work closely with every veterinarian in the city. Uh, so we have those resources. Um, if you want to use Uber Pet to get to a groomer, that's fine. We don't actually have uh, Uber Pet here uh, yet. I'm sure it's coming. But our whole mission is to bring veterinarians. So we want it sort of be like the five guys of pet veterinary transport. We want to stay in our wheelhouse. Take, they do one thing really well. They make a great hamburger. We want to be really, really, really good at what we do. And so we, so a lot of the, because people call us for all kinds of things. And we try not to stay out of our wheelhouse. And our next phase that we're moving into is the way to be able to use technology uh, to help bring pets and veterinarians together. And what I mean by that is offering uh, for practices telemedicine service, telemedicine triage, um, and especially overnight when the 
practices closed, we want to be able to use technology to be able to, uh, you know, to triage and talk and deal with pets after hours um, and then funnel them to their vet during the regular hours or to an ER vet uh, if they need to get there that night. That's, you know, makes a lot of sense um, about expanding your services in that sense. What about expansion physically? I, I know you service the Cleveland area right now. Do you have plans to? Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's also uh, in the book. So we're kind of running at capacity now. We have four ambulances on the road. Uh, and we had this 10 employees all together. So the problem with that is, you know, we can't be everywhere all the time at once. Uh, it'd be nice, but we can't. So uh, so we've been able to make it work so far, but we're right now we're working with Jumpstart, which is a small business incubator here in Cleveland to go the investor route so we can grow, so we can invest in not only physically in more vehicles and personnel, but also building technology platforms to be able to help bring veterinarians and pets together. I love it. That I mean, I think it's such an important thing to do. Um, you you know, one other thing I wanted to ask you, you mentioned there's about 15 services across the country that do this. And I didn't I didn't know about any of the other ones. What other areas do you know um, currently offer the services? And then additionally, where can people come and find you and get more information about Squad 51? Are you hiring technicians who want to beat down your door and come do this for a living? Where do we find you? There's, um, I don't know all of the, uh, the uh, services across the country and they come and go. So I'm not sure even if a lot of them are still open, but the one I know for sure there's AmuVet, um, which is in New York city and they're a pretty large operation. Um, then there is ambulance, pet ambulance in LA, uh, and San Francisco. Um, and then there's a couple down in Florida, which makes sense because they have a higher senior population. Sure. Um, but those are the few that I know about. But at last check, I probably saw maybe 10 or 15. I don't think that this entire business model could have existed 15 years ago. Yeah. You're right. Simply because we've had this whole new movement of pets as family wanting to give our pets the same experience we would want to give our children. People are having less children. Um, and so, but so 10 or 15 years ago, maybe it would not have been viable. But now I think that um, as we move forward and, you know, like I said, people are really treating their pets more and more like actual children, um, we've been able to to make it work. But so I guess insurance companies, you know, now sort of realize that the problem is, of course, getting people to get pet insurance. Right. Oh, yeah. Another great reason to have insurance. And we just talked about it. Wow. Well, Yolanda Medina of Squad 51 Pet Emergency Transportation Service. I got to tell you, it has been a mind blowing podcast. This is some amazing information, but more importantly, you recognize the need that was unmet in the veterinary profession. And I really congratulate and thank you for your help. Oh, thank you for having us. We're just glad that we can be able to, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing to be able to help pets and help pet owners, um, you know, in situations where they uh, would not normally have had any help. They could have had a really negative outcome. 
Um, so if anyone you know is interested in learning more about our services or want to apply for employment, uh, they can go to our website, which is www.squad5151, is all spelled out, dot com, or they can call our 800 number, which is 888-510-1152. Yolanda Medina of Squad 51. And if you're interested, definitely check her out, squad51.com. But more importantly, what do you think about this, listeners? I mean, this is a service that I think uh, we should be definitely looking at. What do you think about the role of pet insurance in paying for some of these types of services? I really want to hear from you. And also, if you're a kid growing up watching Emergency, do you guys hear Squad 51 in your head like right now? Squad 51, Squad 51. We want to hear from you. Yeah, and I want to hear about the times that this would have been important within your practice. And and if you've ever tried to implement something like this in your practice, I think it's such an important thing we've got going in our society and an expanding service we can offer to our clients. I think this has been a great topic. I want to hear more from you guys. You can find us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Instagram at Vet Viewfinder, and on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. You are incredible. Did you name it after the emergency TV show? It absolutely is. When I was a kid, I was in love with the dark-haired one. Oh, no. (laughs) I wasn't in love with either of them, but I love the show. Yeah, I love the show. I actually still watch it, actually. (laughs) That is amazing. Until next time, we'll be standing by. Bye. 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 (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You are incredible. 